Welcome everybody. Uh, my name is Jim Barton and I'm here with Reverend Abigail Conley. And this is another episode of Bloody Mary Bible Brunch. We are continuing our series on death in the Bible. And um, today we're going to talk about um, a topic that I know is particularly uh, interesting uh, to Abby, which is the distinction between resurrection and resuscitation. Two things that are both found in scripture, but um, they are different. So uh, we are both uh, nerds of, a, of some sort, and so uh, we are proud to talk about kicking this off with um, a distinction between uh, using some pop culture references. So I say here, there's, let's look at the difference between Gandalf the White versus Gandalf the Gray. That's one type of thing. And then what happens in Stephen King's novel, uh, The Pet Cemetery. So Abby, you're the professional. Which one of these is resurrection and which one of these is resuscitation? So I would say I'm really hopeful that Gandalf is a story of resurrection, not Pet Cemetery. Right. And I guess Pet Cemetery is really actually reanimation, I suppose, maybe. It's reanimation. I would say it also is a little bit more of the zombie version. Yeah. So like there is resuscitation where you're pretty much the same that you were before is after. There's yeah. resurrection where what is after is presumably in some ways better or more holy or something. Yeah. So more abilities, more capable. And then the other side of that is this kind of zombie version where you are definitely changed in the death. Yeah. What comes after is terrifying. So this is, you know, the monkey's paw and pet cemetery. And we have lots of those stories where we usually use language of undead because yeah. what exists is just terrible. And I think in um, literature when, I mean, Frankenstein is death, is life, is animation from non-life, right? Right. I, I think oftentimes those stories are very deliberately commenting on fear of technology maybe, or mm -hmm. fear of human advance, or humans reaching beyond what is natural for humans. This is an unnatural, it's unnatural to do what is reserved for God. Right. And when we talk about these things, we're talking about something outside the human influence. So, yeah. and in even Gandalf's case, outside the kind of accessible influence that is understood. Right. Gandalf the White is better than Gandalf the Grey. Mm -hmm. Although I guess we don't know. So I guess we, our, our distinction here is in resurrection, there is transformation. And at what level, what, what, how would you describe, like, uh, I want to say ontological, that's not right. How, well, There's an ontological change. Yeah. In essentially the, 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 like, the essential character of a person, the essential abilities, what they are and who they are has changed, but not so much that they are unrecognizable, not so much that they have nothing in common with the person they were before. And a very like a, a Jesus seminary word is a term is talking about pre-resurrection and post-resurrection Jesus. Right. You, you may or may not be a fan of that work, but that idea is very clear. There is a distinction between Jesus before Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth who, who's walking around, and then the post-resurrection Jesus, who's also walking around, also has a body, right. but is, there's a transformation. Right. And I guess right. that's important, too, that in the biblical understanding of resurrection, there is there's still a body. Right. It's not, it's not being transformed into spirit. 
it is not being transformed in the spirit. So we're talking about what I think more um, traditional Orthodox language would be. You have Jesus in his earthly ministry versus resurrected Lord. Right. So and there's a different recognition of who Jesus is in that. And then the resuscitation is what we're calling it. You don't find that term in the Bible, but that's this actually pretty common, uh, relatively speaking, uh, example of things that were dead being back to life as they were without right. change. Right. So die again. That That is also important. Yeah, that's right. I was going to ask about that. That's right. Like, it seems that one of the other components is that if, to, if you're raised to die again, that is different. Mm -hmm. The resurrection is you're done. There's right. no more. You're Oh, death, where is thy sting forever? Right. right. So I've uh, broken these down into six of what we're going to call Elijah-style resuscitations. And we call them Elijah-style, I do in this, um, because they really are, all seem to be pretty much modeled after the story of the widow Zarephath's uh, son, mm -hmm. who it's an act of social justice that he brings this child back to life, right? Right. So you have this... Again, Elijah stories are among the oldest stories in the Bible, chronologically not, but in terms of oral tradition, these are the ones that go way, way, way back. And um, if you try to translate the Hebrew on them, let me tell you, it's a pain to <laughs> go way, way, way back. Um, and so you get the story of a widow who's um, taking care of Elijah, and then her son is dying. And so presumably in this culture where property transfers through um, the men of the family, her son will grow up and be able to provide for her. So a widow who is managing to get her son to adulthood is vulnerable. A widow who has no son to get to adulthood is extra vulnerable. Yeah. So when Elijah takes this boy who has died and resuscitates him, he's giving back her economic stability until her death because he will be able to work and support his mother. But doing so in a way that's a little bit more miraculous than the earned income tax credit. Right. I mean, that's, it's, a, it's impressive. And so we have, that's what we have for Elijah. Elisha, who has got to be two times as good. We're going to talk about the second resuscitation in a minute. Does has a same. very similar one, yeah. Shunammite. But I think actually the Shunammite uh, family, I think there, there, is, there is two. I think the, the husband is still alive or the father is still alive. Um, Luke has a widow's son. I'm sorry. The same actions over the body, all of those things happen in Elisha's story. Um, so Luke gives us a widow's son, but then Luke gives us another interesting one, which is Jairus's daughter. And I thought you had some interesting things about how the Jairus's daughter story actually kind of flips the script a little bit. Yeah. So we, again, don't know the um, daughter's name but we have a synagogue leader who comes to Jesus. He interrupts um, Jesus in the middle of a healing scene where a woman who has suffered from some kind of hemorrhage likely related to female reproduction has touched the hem of his garment. The power has gone out. He's asking who it is. So Jairus comes and interrupts this story that is rooted very much in kind of women and the world of women and asks for help for his 12 year old daughter who at about age 13 will be considered a woman. So he's mm -hmm. close to losing his daughter culturally. Once she marries, she becomes someone else's family, not his. Right. And so you get this flip of what Jesus gives back to Jairus is not 
financial security. Right. It's his daughter. And so you have a very different assigning of meaning in this story from the one that is rooted in economic security with little narrative. And sort of lifting up. So that's right. So it's because it, he's lifting up and by healing the woman with the, the bleeding woman, that's like someone who's older, mm-hmm. right? And, and marginalized. And then this other uh, woman who's younger, but who's also still sort of uh, maybe dis- discounted in value in this concept. So sort of raising them both up mm-hmm. uh, in, in those stories, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, then we have a couple of stories in Acts which really, again, sort of are like, it's kind of interesting, like just like Elisha has to do what Elijah did, right? Peter has to do what Jesus did. Yeah. And so Peter uh, raises Tabitha, who has a Greek name, the most unfortunate Greek name of Dorcas. When I was in, when I was in uh, uh, a young PK in Indiana, I was like, why would you have a Dorcas society? Like what a, what a ridiculous name for a society, right? And then I found out that you could just as easily have called it the Tabitha Society, and I was even more perplexed. So you guys had a choice. You could have been the Tabitha Society, and you said you were the the Dorcas Society. More Jesus-y, if you have the weird word with it. Yeah, I guess. I think Tabitha is a witch name too, isn't it? Yes. Yes. I still would go with Hot Witch from the 60s show over (laughs) Dorcas, but in any case. Um, And then we have... I always say Eutychus. Eutychus, yes. Eutychus. Who out of a boring, was listening to a sermon that went too long and fell out of a window dead. Um, and was raised. Definitely hit the, hit the ground. Yep, and was raised from the dead. Who, actually, I don't have this. Do you happen to remember who did this one? Was it Peter again? I think it was Peter. I would have to yeah. look at Peter or Paul, but I think Peter. Whoever right. longer, which also Oh, it might have been, it might have been Paul. Maybe, actually, maybe it was Paul. <laughs> Uh, anyway, all right. So those are all uh, Elijah style. Now let's talk about some of the sort of curious, fun, different ones. Um, one is the Israelite bones uh, of Elisha are thrown into the bones of Elisha. So this is a weird story. This is what I kind of think it's like we get this like cool uh, uh, Jewish folklore that kind of makes its way into the Bible, which is awesome. Like the guy calling down the bears to go after the kid because they made fun of him for being bald. That's like a fun story. This, this feels like that to me. There's some Midianite raiders coming. These guys are worried. Uh, they're trying to bury a body. They just toss the body into what is inexplicably an open grave with the bones of Elijah. I'm not sure. Toss him in. The guy touches the bones of Elijah, pops back to life. Yep. All good. Resurrection. So this is, we think. Resuscitation. Not resurrection. Resuscitation for right. sure. Because he's not transformed in any way. And we have no reason to believe he doesn't die again. Right. Don't even know his name. Um, right, right. Like in the, when you go, like the summaries, if you Google about this stuff, it just says, just what I pretty much have, Israelite. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right. So then we get to Lazarus, which now Lazarus is a more meaty story about resuscitation. Yes. Um, yeah. So he's dead. His um sisters send for jesus because they're all part of kind of jesus inner circle not disciples like named in the 12 Mm -hmm. important jesus waits three days goes they're crying there's this whole conversation about resurrection with oh you know 
I know he'll be resurrected in the last day, but if he'd been here, he hadn't died. Right. Jesus goes out and cries. So there's clearly still my friend is dead and then calls out Lazarus come forth. Yeah. And actually by the time he gets there, it's, he's been dead four days. Right. So that's significant, right? Because he's like dead, dead. Right. Because he's not mostly dead. Right. It's not only merely dead. He's really mm -hmm. most nearly dead. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because in Greco-Roman world, the body, the soul might linger for a while, but by this time, it's definitely gone. Yeah. And even tell us that it's starting to smell in there. So decay has begun. And you schooled me on something earlier today that I had missed, which is immediately after this, the, the, church, the church leaders now are working to kill Jesus mm -hmm. in the John's narrative. John is the most anti-Semitic of the Gospels, we have to admit, right? Because he does actually say the Jews. But right. anyway, the Jews, you know, whatever. Uh, so anyway, so the church leaders are coming after Jesus right after this. But you pointed out to me that actually also in, in the following chapter, in chapter 12, it says that they actually were going to try and kill Lazarus too. Right, because too many people are following Jesus because of this resuscitation. Which is interesting because um, it most of the times the miracles that jesus does i mean people it does say that people are coming to them because of miracles mm -hmm. a little bit that that's like something they're impressed with but it's it, it, the language is more like um like good preaching or like they have a great band and so you know what i mean it's like the fact that they're miracles i mean you know if there was a place on in 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 gilbert if at chalice we started doing faith healings and started like we're successfully able to heal sick people I suspect that would be, re we would like blow up. Like we would be, I think that would be like a, that would be the story. Right. Go to this place because of the, they are the ones that can heal you. Generally, that's not the way it sounds in the scripture. It doesn't sound like healing is like, like, like no one's ever heard of it before. kind of thing. Right. This seems to be like a bigger deal, which you would think bringing somebody back from the dead would be. Yeah. And so yeah. go ahead. No, a bigger deal. And you know, it's kind of, I think, again, that echo matters, that this is the echo for like, oh, right, Elisha did this, and this person did this. Wow. Yeah. That echo yeah. is always there. Um, and then I have here the Matthew uh, 2750 zombies. Um, I think that, I mean, I'm being a little bit cheeky, obviously, with it, but I mean, frankly, it's pretty fair. I mean, there's this passage when Jesus is crucified, things happen like a curtain tears in the temple. Okay, that seems like a big deal. The separation of the holies of holies, interesting. Also, tombs open up and the dead get out and walk around. The dead of the righteous people. It is true, it is of the righteous people. Yeah, they get like, up and walk around. I feel like this is a big freaking deal part of this story. <laughs> you know? There is no resolution either. Like, no. did the people go back? Exactly. Did they chill out for a while? Did they end up ascending into heaven? And much like, like much like the murder hornets, when we're all like, why would you introduce the murder hornets into 2020 and then just drop it without explanation? Well, Matthew was, introduces the zombies and drops it. Yeah, that was the time traveler trying to fix 2020. But, <laughs> right, and that didn't work, and so they just right. like, took it out. Um, so um, I say with yeah. Matthew, we need to remember there is this story in Ezekiel where you know God takes a prophet out and shows a field of bones then come back together mm -hmm. out of nothing um, and create a house of Israel. There, there's something yeah. out of nothing and out of death. So I think it echoes that, 
I would think that you would figure out what to do with the presumable army of people wandering around out of the tombs. But it seems like a plot hole. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so that's that's resuscitation. In each case, we see this as where there's no real change, and then and they presumably die again. Although I will say, with the Matthew zombies, we actually don't we don't get know. to that. But it doesn't say, and then they live forever. So right. Um, so for resurrection, I think sometimes it's helpful to sort of point out to people that we aren't, this isn't some like liberal conspiracy that we're putting out here. That there, there is, this is a concept that is uh, scriptural. And um, first we have um, a couple of hints from stories where the point of the story is not actually to talk about resurrection, I don't think, um, but maybe. Um, so for example, in Luke, there's a story about a banquet and Jesus says that um, if, uh, you shouldn't throw banquets for people who can throw banquets for you. You should throw banquets for the poor. And but then it says they'll be able to, who can't repay you, right? They'll be able to repay you in like the resurrection. So that's a very, it's almost like a, it's an interesting remark about a notion of a kingdom to come in which there will be this, this resurrection. Um, in Matthew, actually in all the gospels, in all the, I think in all the um, synoptic gospels, we have this story of the multiple marriages. And you want to talk about that, about the, it's yeah. not seven brides for seven brothers. It's it's short. No. So um, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are the two leading groups. They're also Essenes that don't make it into the Bible. And so the Sadducees, scripture says, trying to trap Jesus, come to him and ask, there was a woman and she was married and her husband died. So then she married his brother according to our laws. And then he dies and she marries his brother and she does this seven times. And so who will she be married to in the resurrection? So and pause there. I think it's interesting that they've set this up for what a horrific situation mm -hmm. where you would have this woman and you wouldn't know whose property she was. Right. All these guys and you don't know who's, it's interesting little view into the patriarchy that that's like, that was like, this was the, this is the zinger, Jesus. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. And like, you know, the Sadducees, it says, you know, the people who do not believe in a resurrection. So this right. is happening long before we start talking about what happened after Jesus was buried. Yeah, it's presumably not a uniquely, or at least it's not a completely Christian idea, it would seem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for us, the reason it often seems Christian is because, um, number one, Christians... Jews had to do a lot then to kind of create their own identity out of Christianity and likewise. Mm. So lots of our scriptures anti-Semitic because it's a family feud. Right. Um, with that Pharisaic Judaism is what survived into modernity. Mm -hmm. Like this thing that was more driven by synagogue and, and law is what managed to survive the temple destruction and those things in a very different way um, yeah. from the versions and those other versions exist in small pockets in plenty of places and we, that's its own robust discussion but when we as u.s people think of jews we're thinking of something closer to pharisees than sadducees right and also we should point out you have the memory device yes about how you know that the sadducees they were sad you see because they didn't believe in afterlife well the pharisees were weren't very fair you see so they, right. Well, that's not as nice, though. That doesn't have it. The Sadducees at least is tied to their, <laughs> their belief. Um, anyway, so Jesus answers this by saying, basically, you're going to be like angels and there won't be marriage. Right. 
which is how we know, which is why in the movie Dogma by Kevin Smith, the gen angels don't have genitalia, because the, the you know, he, the scriptural uh, true, the you know, Kevin Smith is being true to scripture, maybe I don't know. But anyway, the the point is that there's other there's other problems, scriptural problems with that that we've talked about right. in our sex in our sex uh, series. So um, in any case, so Jesus says there's not going to be marriage. So he does talk about Jesus talks about a transformation post resurrection, and then. In every one of the resurrection stories of Jesus, now going turning back to the Gospels. Now, first off, by the way, Mark really ends with the empty tomb, mm -hmm. right? There's no, there is, if you open your Bible, you will see a resurrection story tacked on that seems suspiciously similar to the resurrection story from Matthew. That's because that's what it is. And right. it wasn't written by Mark. It was written, it was the author of Mark, it was written later and sort of stapled on. And even like um, NIV will have that. Even like your conservative Bibles will acknowledge like, yeah, uh, it's not really probably there. Right, uh, you have to get to like HCB Holman Christian Standard to like they uh -huh. really, you know just be like no. Um, but yeah, um, so Mark just kind goes, of yeah empty tomb. Yeah, Matthew uh, is very much like resurrection, great commission, bye. Mm -hmm. Very very minimal. It's Luke but, and John who have more. And I think and we do have um, the women at the tomb don't recognize Jesus. Mm -hmm. They think he's the gardener, or, or Mary thinks he's the gardener. We have the road to Emmaus, which is another place where they don't recognize Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, we have, um, it, like, for example, even the story with Doubting Thomas. Thomas has to touch the wounds, right? Right, and he's not there the first time. He's right. And then that same thing, like, there's people out fishing who, like, don't recognize Jesus. Right. So, like, there are all of these things where it's, like, with the story of Emmaus, you know, it becomes, like, oh, didn't we not feel our hearts burning within us? Like, we knew this person. We knew there was something there. Yeah. It took us a while. And the same thing with, like, Jesus is eating with them, and then they're like, oh, right. Like, that's who that was. And it's, and so that really sort of gives voice to this idea of transformation. Mm -hmm. um, that that the, the idea of resurrection is this ontological change. It's not, it's not just coming back to life. Because right. Jesus was unknown to them. Paul uh, gives real, really develops this idea in 1 Corinthians, which just for everybody remembers, 1 Corinthians would have been written well before the Gospels, mm -hmm. probably a generation before, uh, certainly a generation or two before John, but, but bef before Mark as well, right? The Gospels were, uh, were a compilation after. So in yeah. any case, so in, in Corinthians we have, I, should, I suppose I should say though, the parables that talk about resurrection would have been written down in the gospels after but there's no reason to believe there's no reason to doubt that some of them weren't People. told by jesus before john before paul right. and all of the stories in the gospel or at least pieces of the stories in the gospels were well circulated in churches mm -hmm. this oral tradition early right. on and so those stories get told so those are in corporate memory in some way right so um, so with Paul, we have the idea of the necessity of being resurrected into something new. Mm -hmm. And it's not just the body. Uh, in fact, Paul basically says, well, body can't last forever. Right. So we've got yeah. to something that is perishable into something that is imperishable. Because we know bodies decay and bodies break down. And this, to me, felt like um, Paul's sort of betraying some of his Hellenistic background a little bit uh, but this idea of a 
and frankly, I think if you read Paul, he has trouble with the body anyway. I mean, I think there's definitely um, soul body union is not real solid in Paul's uh, theology. But you pointed out that this also could be sort of an upshot of like a trying to describe a, a new experience. Right. Because what do you, how do you describe something that has never happened before? Because that is what the Christians are saying about their experience. We had God made human walking among us, which they don't know yet, but they know there was this holy person who did all these things that remind us of God, remind us yeah. of the prophets. And when that person was murdered, that person didn't stay dead, which also hasn't happened before. None of the resuscitation stories come out of like, hey, this person was tortured to death. They come right. out of some kind of illness um, that looks different that people don't understand. And then he's, he's different. And then we saw, we saw an ascension into heaven. So something different is going on here. And what do you do with that? What do you do with a body that still bears the wounds from being tortured, but is presumably, you know, someone who can walk around and talk to you? And then the idea that this would then become available, or maybe not then become, but it, also then you sort of fold that into the idea of this being available to everyone, mm -hmm. not just to these few unique, I didn't put it in here, but like Revelation 20 talks about this idea of there being it's a, it's it's different because it's apocalyptic literature, so it's hard for us to like process. But it it talks about there being this this group that is resurrected and is with Jesus for a thousand years while the Satan is in sealed behind the gate, and then there's a second resurrection. But in those cases, again, that is the idea of this resurrection. This like all like like the whole community, the whole church is now all everyone is resurrected, right? Not just some, not just the few unique ones who who. I mean, I guess maybe everyone who is not going to be cast into the fire or whatever. But I mean, this everyone is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a more um, ordinary, it's a more uh, ordinary and known uh, phenomena that's projected, which is frankly, I, I mean, almost like it kind of betrays that maybe this whole topic is like goofy that we would put these two together, that like resurrection and resuscitation really are very, frankly, pretty unrelated topics. They are, except someone's dead and they're not anymore. <laughs> right. And so right. what are the implications of that? What, yeah. what do we do? And this is why when you say it's, you know, one of my favorite topics, it's like, I do think it matters that we have very different narrations culturally and as church around people who die who are no longer dead. Yeah. And yeah, reanimation, resuscitation, resurrection, whatever you get a zombie from, those are all, those are all very different categories. Um, that I think it is helpful. It is helpful to name and talk about. And 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 everything that we've talked about, frankly, in both stories, you can see is sort of dripping with theology. Mm -hmm. Like these are these are um, these are stories that impact our way of viewing the world too. Uh, you know, the, 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 these aren't like factual. Check off a box. This thing happened. This thing happened. That, that it's not. This isn't about history. It's about. It is about theology. Mm -hmm. It is about faith. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think that's a, that will probably um, um, do it for now. Um, this is, uh, I think we're going to be doing Zoom for a while still, but I think we got the kinks uh, out of it. And so uh, this has been, I think, a good, a good conversation about this. Um, if you're for it, pray for us in Arizona. Yes, because uh, <laughs> holy cow.
it mm -hmm. is uh, it is not it is not going well. So I don't know, but uh, we will carry on um, uh, in the meantime. So I'm still just drinking my uh, cold brew coffee instead of our uh, Bloody Marys. But at some point we'll uh, what is it next year in Jerusalem? You know, next year uh, with uh, Bloody Marys again. So all right. So um, and, uh, until next time, thanks for listening and uh, cheers. <laughs>